We've been through the book of Revelation for about, oh, I don't know, three or four weeks now, and some of you are probably wondering if we'll ever get back into uh, systematic study of the Word, but nah, I've got a couple more topicals for you. So, Before we go back to Genesis, and we'll start our journey through all of the Scriptures once again, this morning we're going to talk about Peter. And we'll be mostly in the Gospel of John, but uh, as we look at Peter, uh, or Rocky, as the Lord renamed him, Small Stone, Peter and several of the disciples were fishermen. But Jesus called them to be disciples. And then He made them into apostles. So we will look at Peter and the call upon Peter and we will look at Peter as he sorts out that call upon his life. So we'll begin in Matthew chapter 4 this morning. So if you would, turn to Matthew 4. But again, we will be mostly in the Gospel of John. But uh, we want to look at the calling of Peter and Andrew and some of the others by Jesus. Matthew 4, and we'll look at verses 18 through 22. Verse 18, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. And immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. Jesus' words to these fishermen is, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Now, it would save Peter and Andrew much grief much consternation to simply follow Jesus with no looking back. But how many of us can do that? We always seem to second guess our decisions. But these disciples, they have to go through a process of recognizing first that Jesus is the true Messiah, the Son of God, and that Jesus has placed a call on their lives to be fishers of men. To their credit, there is immediate obedience in their life by these fishermen, and they immediately leave their nets and follow Jesus. James and John, they also leave their father, Zebedee, and they leave him to do as he pleases with his little fishing business. And there is a sermon there in leaving your career, your vocation to follow Jesus. And some of you this morning have chosen to follow Jesus and His call upon your life. And you've done it in ways that you may not even recognize. Maybe you haven't taken that promotion, that more money to uproot your family and go off to bigger and greener pastures somewhere else. 
maybe you've decided, hey, this is where God's planted me and here's where I'll stay. And that's commendable. Jesus made no security promises to these fishermen that He's called away from their boats. He simply said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Now, of course, church history records the great impact that these fishermen had upon the world. But it would have never happened if they would not have left their nets. would not have happened unless they left their father. would not have happened unless they left their security. If it weren't for simple obedience, their destiny would have never been written. So when they leave their nets and they're following, some would say, well, they're just stepping out in faith. That's a faith impulse that they're following. And that's very true. But their making of themselves into a disciple, a fisher of men, that's Jesus' job, and He will do that job well, but it's going to require lumps and bruises and sacrifices along the way for these crude, or not so crude, fishermen. That's the same for us today. For anybody that truly desires to follow God and wants God to use them, this old flesh of ours must be denied and our goals and our motives, God will refine them. Or have you found that out? <laughs> None of us escape the refining, the justifying process of God in our lives. You can delay it, but you cannot deny it. You can't escape it. So let's look at Peter's life after he's went through, you might say, his internship. We're looking at Peter three and a half years to, or so after he's been called away from his nets. So turn with me to John 13 and we'll look at verses 36 through 38. Jesus has been talking to His disciples. He's been talking to them about going away. Uh, but Jesus has given them a new commandment. And that's in verse 34 before our little text here. And in that verse 34, He says, I want you to love one another. A simple command, a straightforward command, but not always so easy to be obedient to. So let's read verses 36 through 38, chapter 13. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, Where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me afterwards. Peter said to him, Lord, why can't I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for your sake. Jesus answered him, Will you lay down your life for my sake? Most assuredly, I say to you, the rooster shall not crow till you have denied me three times. You gotta like Peter. He's so straightforward. 
Peter, and I believe this with everything in me, is willing to die with Jesus if necessary. He signed on with Jesus. Peter is determined that he will lay down his life along with Jesus if it comes to that. Peter is strong in his determination. He is strong in the flesh. So he thinks. Peter has boasted, and he's boasted in front of the other disciples, Lord, I'm not sure about the rest of these guys, but I'm willing to die for you. Now Jesus doesn't allow that boasting to go on. Why? Because it isn't true. Jesus can't let Peter boast in a lie. Peter, before the morning, before the rooster crows in the morning, you will be, have denied me three times. Not once, not twice, three times, Peter. And Peter doesn't believe Jesus. Because Peter feels that he will never deny his Lord. In Mark... It says that Peter vehemently denies or declares he will never deny Jesus. And the other disciples, they, they agree. We won't either, Lord. But we have to understand that I am capable, you are capable of doing the worst sins imaginable when I depend on my flesh or the strength of my flesh or my determination. That's a hard, sobering lesson for each of us. Have you ever said, how could I have done that? Or how could I have said that? Peter, he's filled with pride. He's lifted up in pride. But all that requires Peter to deny the Lord is a change in circumstances, a change in his environment for the moment. So let's look at that in uh, chapter 18 of John, verses 15 through 18. <clears throat> Jesus, he's been betrayed by Judas there in Gethsemane, betrayed by a friend who kisses him. What a way to betray someone. Peter, he has a sword. Peter fights back. Peter whacks off the ear of Malchus, the high priest's servant, making more work for Jesus. Jesus bends over without a doubt, picks the ear up off the ground and puts it back on the side of Malchus's head. Quite the miracle. Now, if you were Malchus, and your ear is lying there on the ground and you're bleeding profusely from the side of your head, you might have wanted to say something to this crowd that's about to arrest, arrest the guy that healed you. Malchus, we wonder why he doesn't cry out, hey, wait a minute, this man is a righteous man. At least he's a prophet. Did you see what he did to my ear? But mob mentality rules. 
and we don't even hear about the ear thing anymore. But how about Malchus? Every time he rubs his ear in thought, he will remember that Jesus put that ear back on his head. But Jesus tells Peter, put your sword away. And then in Matthew, we get a glimpse of the authority and power of Jesus. And he says, hey, I could have called 12 legions of angels to my rescue. 12 legions or 60,000 angels who are standing by who would love to wade into this arresting mob and not just lop off ears. They might want to lop off some heads. And these angels can't but wonder why their God, why their Creator hasn't called upon them to rescue Him. The cross and its suffering, we're told, was a mystery to the angels. Well, what's the mystery? The angels are wondering why Jesus cares so much for you and I, for these human beings here on earth. But Peter isn't arrested with Jesus. You ever wonder about that? Why aren't the disciples that are there, why aren't they arrested? I personally believe it's because of the healing of Malchus's ear. They don't want to have to deal with that when they put Jesus on trial. They want to admit that there was a miracle that happened right in their midst. No one wants to deal with this ear being put back on Malchus's head, especially his enemies. Chapter 18 of John, verses 15 through 18. And Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. Now that disciple was known to the high priest and went with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest, but Peter stood at the door outside. Then the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to her who kept the door and brought Peter in. Then the servant girl who kept the door said to Peter, Servant girl, you are, are you not also one of the man's disciples? He said, I am not. Now the servants and the officers who made a fire of the coal stood there, for it was cold, and they warmed themselves, and Peter stood with them and warmed himself. Peter has a little bit of courage left, and so he follows this arresting group this detachment of troops and he follows them into the high priest's courtyard. John is known to the high priest. Perhaps John supplied the high priest with fish. Who knows? But he's known by the high priest. He's known by this servant girl. And John tells the doorkeeper, this servant girl, let Peter in. He's my friend. But this same girl and it's usually a young girl that was given this duty, a young girl says to Peter, you are one of this man's disciples. And Peter says, I am not. Then Peter goes and he moves himself over to the little fire of coals and he warms himself there in the courtyard. 
Meanwhile, they're questioning Jesus. Annas, who was the father-in-law of the high priest, he, Annas was uh, not the ruling high priest. Again, he was the father. Caiaphas is the ruling high priest. But as Peter warms himself by the enemy's fire, you know his mind has to be racing. What is going to go on here tonight? This arrest of Jesus is starting to get messy. It's starting to bother Peter. And Peter is not only in deep thought, he's afraid. And so we pick it up in 25 and through 27, verse 25 and 2. Now Simon Peter stood and warned himself, therefore they said to him, You are not also one of his disciples, are you? He denied it again and said, I am not. And one of the servants of the high priest, a relative of him whose ear Peter cut off, said, Did I not see you in the garden with him? And Peter then denied again, and immediately a rooster crowed. Peter denies again. And we're told in one of the other Gospels that he denied it with cursings and he is vehemently denying that he even knows Jesus. It's Luke who tells us that after the third denial, the rooster crows. And then we find out that Jesus looks over at Peter and he makes eye contact with Peter. Then Peter remembers the words of Jesus. Peter goes out and he weeps bitterly. We can only imagine the despair, the sorrow that Peter feels. Now we fast forward. We go through the time of the cross, the crucifixion, and we find ourselves at one of the appearances of Jesus to Peter and the other disciples. And that's in John 21. And we'll look at the first three verses. Then after these things, Jesus showed Himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And in this way, He showed Himself. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other of His disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, We're going with you. And they went out and immediately got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. Verse 3 there. Peter says to the other disciples, I'm going fishing. The fishing boats are still available three and a half years since they were fishermen, but they're still available. Do you have a fishing boat that you can return to? One that perhaps keeps you from doing the full will of God in your life? The other disciples, they're more than happy to go with Peter and go fishing. And they fish all night and they catch nothing. Now let's go back to when these 
fishermen were called to be disciples. Jesus' words, Come, follow me. I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they followed. And here we are, three and a half years later, Jesus has died on the cross, and now they go back to the nets. But the nets aren't yielding any fruit. They're catching nothing. Now it's unusual to fish all night by casting nets and not getting anything. And it's more unusual that these fishermen admit they caught nothing. You ever catch, hey, the fish bite? Well, not so good. How many you got? Well, how about them bears? They'll talk about anything else. They don't want to tell you that they caught nothing. These fishermen admit they caught nothing. Verse 4 of chapter 21. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, Children, have you any food? And they answered him, No. And he said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. You have to wonder what went through their mind then. But anyway, so they cast, and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, and that's John, by the way, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it, and plunged into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from land, but about two hundred cubits, dragging the net with them. Then as soon as they had come to the land, they saw a fire of coals there, and the fish laid on it, and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish which you have just caught. Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to land, full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. Jesus said to them, Come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared to ask him, Who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then came and took bread and gave it to them, and likewise the fish. This was the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. We have in verse 6 there Jesus demonstrating his power over creation. Do you think the fish had a choice in being caught or not? Not for a moment. <laughs> the fish are on the right side of the boat waiting for the net to come around them. And there's 153 large fish. Isn't that peculiar? Somebody has bothered to count the number of fish. <laughs> there's 153 of them. Okay. <laughs> the disciples they understand, they realize that it's Jesus. And Jesus has cooked them breakfast. In verse 14, rather, this is the third time Jesus has shown himself to the disciples after his resurrection. We have Jesus appearing three times. Three will become significant in Peter's life. 
sometimes you might want to do a little study on three times and the different things that Peter had happened to him three times. Uh, it's a good little study. But anyway, in verse 15 of John 21, So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know I love you. And he said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, Tend my sheep. And he said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. What a scene. Peter has eaten. His stomach is full. He's been fishing all night. Now he's relaxing by this little fire that Jesus has made. Then comes the question of Peter's life. What I base this little sermon upon. Peter, do you love me more than these? And I definitely believe Jesus is pointing towards the 153 fish in the net. Peter, do you love me? your Lord and your God more than the nets, more than your occupation of past, more than that former way of life, more than that comfortable vocation that you had of making a living. Do you love me more than your expertise of your own self? Peter, do you love me enough to leave the nets that you keep returning to? Now when we read this passage where Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? We can get caught up in the word love. Agape is the word that Jesus uses the first two times. And it's the perfect love. Peter, do you love me perfectly with no regard to yourself? And then Jesus uses agape in comparison to the nets and Peter's former lifestyle to himself. Do you love me more than this former lifestyle? And Peter's response is, yes, Lord. You know I agape you. Then the command by Jesus, feed my lambs. Second time, same thing. Peter, do you agape me? Do you love me more than the nets? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Then the command, tend, not feed, but tend. Take care of my sheep. Third time. Third time Jesus asked Peter, but this time Jesus doesn't use the word agape. He uses phileo. Peter, do you phileo me or do you love me as a brother? 
Not a perfect love, Peter. Do you just love me like you would love a brother? Do you appreciate me even as you would appreciate a brother? And Peter is grieved because Jesus has asked him the third time. Peter's feelings are hurt. And Peter says, Lord, you know all things. You know that I phileo you, love you as a brother. You notice Peter doesn't try to boast that I love you in an agape way. Peter's been humbled. His pride has been broken. And Peter, he's admitted to his failure to love in the agape way. Lord, you know I phileo you. But here's what is important. The same command comes from Jesus. Feed my sheep. Peter, if you appreciate me as a brother, feed my sheep. The commands by Jesus remain the same. Feed the sheep, tend the sheep, feed the sheep. And if you miss that in this passage, then you miss the meaning of the passage. Any person in the service of our Lord, regardless of where you're at in your relationship with the Lord, regardless in your full-out commitment to Him, where you agape the Lord or where you just phileo the Lord, the command is the same. Take care of my sheep. Peter, he's famous for his three-peat denial. And Jesus has questioned Peter three times about his love towards himself. But three times Jesus has given Peter the same command. Take care of my sheep, Peter. Therefore, the sheep are the main focus of Jesus' questioning of Peter. Who are the sheep? We are the sheep. <laughs> if you're a child, you are a sheep. If you're a young believer, you are a sheep. If you're an old believer, you are a sheep. We, my brothers and sisters, are the sheep of his pasture. We are required to take care of one another. There it is. That's what Jesus wants from us. That's what he wanted from his disciples, the apostles. That's what he wants from us, regardless of where you're at with the Lord. And we're all at different places with the Lord, but the command is the same. We are to take care of one another. Even if we just like Jesus. Not if we're like Him, but if we just find Him in a brotherly love way, we are to take care of one another. Kind of makes life simple for a Christian, doesn't it? Take care of my sheep, Peter. 
And our Lord would say that to us this morning. Take care of our sheep. Let me get you to stand. We'll close in prayer. I love the simplicity of Jesus. He keeps it so simple and so pure. Let's pray. Father God, we read about Peter. We see his shortcomings. We see him being lifted up in pride in the flesh. And that scares us because we know we're very capable of being lifted up with pride also, Lord. But Lord, the command remained the same. Take care of the sheep. We are to take care of one another. So Lord, this coming week, this coming day, show us, direct us towards other sheep that we can care for. We want to be showing your love, Lord, to one another. That was your command to Peter. That's your command to us. So, Lord, we want to be fulfilling that. So, by your Spirit, lead and guide us. Make our hearts, make our lives sensitive to those needs when we come upon them. And help us, Lord, to love you. We want to love you in the agape way. Not just care for you like a brother. But we want to love you in that regardless way. So help us, Lord, to just respond to your love by taking care of your sheep. We pray for this. We ask for this in the name of Jesus. The Lord bless you and keep